from the former convent of the Good Shepherd Church overlooking the Farmer's Market and the park in Inwood here in New York City. Welcome to Inwood Artworks On Air. It's where we meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes who make their home in what we affectionately call Upstate Manhattan. I'm your host, Aaron Sims, and today we welcome playwright Kirby Fields. Kirby is a neighborhood writer and the artistic director of Up Theater Company. He also has his MFA in playwriting from Carnegie Mellon University. Up actually produced his full-length plays, K. Kama Joseph and Lost Not Found in this neighborhood not too long ago. Uh, his short plays have been featured in the Sam French Off-Broadway off Short Play Festival, the Gallery Players One Act Play Festival, and the New York 15-Minute Play Festival. Another one of his short plays, Flood, was published in the winter 2020 issue of the Southern Indiana Review. His plays have also been produced and developed in Los Angeles, Chicago, Washington, D.C., and Kansas City. More recently, he has been writing more fiction. The first chapter of his novel, Shelter Me, was a winner in the Art Street Press's Best First Chapter Contest, and an excerpt from a prose adaptation of Summer Session was featured on episode 65 of the Other Stories podcast. His short film, Not So Hilarious Anymore, which he wrote and produced, appeared in 10 film festivals, including those in San Francisco, Portland, and Liverpool, and will be coming soon to the forthcoming Inwood Film Festival. We are so thrilled to have him here today. We're going to talk about his work and so much more. But first, welcome, Kirby. Good to see you. Nice to see you too, Aaron. How are you doing? I'm doing great. What's new with you? Um, I have been working on the uh, end-of-year letter for Up Theater Company, so you've caught me in a bit of a kind of reflective mood. Wow. And so do you want to take us through the year for you? Like, where, <laughs> where are you reflecting on? <laughs> oh, 2021. Um, you know, the way the, the, uh, the letter is framed is, I think, how a lot of people experience this year, which is it started in kind of small social bubbles and tentatively and gradually uh, moved toward the kinds of thing we're doing here today, which is in-person yeah. uh, gatherings and community. And the, the work of the company this year kind of reflected that movement from um, uh, isolation mm. to community. Right. Well, it reminds me of a Robin Williams quote from Dead Poets Society, thank you for that trip down Amnesia Lane, uh, in many ways, because <laughs> there was a lot of things you're going, like, like, sometimes I feel like 2021 and 2020 was just like one of those, like, double album box set kind of things where it's like, I don't really know if I want to revisit all that. And, and it's like, wow, that was really a long time. And kind of it kind of like runs all together. Yeah. Uh, but you're right, a sense of isolation and, um, you know, it, it, happily, progressive yeah um so not just being in person but um just seems like the opening of society reopening of society yeah. allows us to be so more well connected with each other we started the year without vaccinations for example yeah. and uh, that opened up so much as uh mm -hmm. as they became available and so more and more people got them yeah and without theater and now we have theater again yes we most which definitely is, have which is amazing which is very important because what you do yeah <laughs> absolutely <laughs> it feels great to have audiences again and to hear people laughing at the right moments and gasping at the right moments and applause yeah. which you just didn't have for so much of the last two years well i'm glad you're in a kind of reflective mood right now <laughs> um because uh we met actually when uh, we worked on the world premiere of your play k comma joseph yes in a building just next door literally next door Walked right to where we it. are now yeah um uh, there are many challenges to getting that play up. And one, I remember um, 
was that during tech, Superstorm Sandy happened, Hurricane Sandy happened. Yeah. Um, and I mean, we had a really great, resilient group of people working on that show, yeah. yourself included, of course. Uh, and it went on to be very well received. Um, so with distance from that now and being in a reflective mood, uh, what did you learn? And uh, what did you take away from that? And, yeah. and like, you know, you can talk about where you maybe what you learned then and where are you like, thinking about it now and being so have that kind of like distance from it. Yeah. K-Kama Joseph was such an amazing experience from top to bottom. It was the first time I worked with any of the folks at up theater. Um, there are rare occasions um, for me as a playwright whenever the whenever you kind of turn it over the work to a production and it becomes so much more than it ever was on the page mm -hmm. that it begins so to return to our theme isolating with me banging away on a keyboard actually writing by hand most likely and um, then kind of turning it over to, to first James and then Josh. And then I, I didn't want to name all the <laughs> actors because they all contributed equally to the show that I, I've watched several of my readings kind of from the back row peeking, you know, between my fingers. And with Kama Joseph, I was so, so proud of that work. It was almost as if it, it wasn't mine anymore and belonged to the company and, and the, and the production. Yeah. It lived. I it mean, lived. It really did live. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's also the, what I, what I love about theater and what I sometimes find frustrating about it is it had that three week one run. It was kind of a magical three week run that I can't go back to. Right. So the memory kind of uh, lives on and it's, it's kind of, it's kind of idyllic. Uh, part of me wants to like, let's revisit that. And part of me is like, no, I, I don't want to go back to that. Let's just let it, let it live as it did in my memory. That's the beauty of the, yeah. the ephemeral nature of our work. Yeah. 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 yeah it's, well, that's great. And, um, has it gone on to do other productions? It hasn't. Um, yeah. I've got, it's well, been... <laughs> I want to know cause I didn't know. And I, I did a little research and I was like, I can't find anything. No. Um, some, a, a company in Chicago, a company in LA sniffed around it a little bit. Um, Inkwell, you mentioned DC. Inkwell yeah. did a reading of it, okay. actually right around the same time. Um, but it hasn't. Uh, it, it, I continue to send it out because I feel like it's it's aged fairly well. I think it stands in terms of it's ten years old, Aaron. It's been. I can't now. Now I'm feeling old. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. So I continue sending. I, I sent it out two weeks ago to uh, to a company. So I keep trying trying to get it Absolutely out there. Absolutely should. But it's it, a great show. Yeah. And thanks. for those of you who had the the. The joy to come experience it in those three weeks, you understand what I'm talking yeah, about. I appreciate it. Thank you. Sure thing. Um, so let's just kind of hopscotch around sure. a little bit. So congrats on your award for best first chapter. For <laughs> Thank you. For Shelter Me. I didn't know they gave awards for just doing part work these days. <laughs> just like, it's, 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 it's only, only in the arts do you get like congratulated yeah. on doing partial work. Right. Um, but uh, uh, but. I wanted to explore the idea of being a novelist yeah. as well as playwright because you have more control. Well, you kind of refer to the whole banging away and your Dickensian Garrett maybe um, or whatever you do, <laughs> wherever he goes to write. Um, uh, doesn't have to be Dickens. But uh, you have a lot more control um, 
on guiding your reader audience, whatever, as a novelist, because yeah. you can add more meat to the bone, so to speak, uh, than you do for writing plays. So I, I'm wondering, um, having had the experience of being a novelist and playwright, um, how they how, how have they each informed both styles of the writing? For mm. you? That's interesting. So, as a playwright, I always have to cut. I I, I say too I, too many words, right? Um, and I feel like um, writing prose, I'm able to kind of indulge the wordier side of myself a little bit. Writing a play, it's all dialogue. Um, now I know you can be innovative within within the dialogue, um, but it's pretty it's pretty sparse. Um, and in in uh, in prose, I can just kind of, as you said, like open it up more. I can be more expansive. That said, I find that when I'm writing prose, and I get to a section where the characters are talking to one another, that I'm like, oh, this is very comfortable. This is very familiar. Like I I know how to navigate this particular scene or this section of the scene. I found that certain things work better on the stage uh, with dialogue than in prose. For example characters cutting one another off in a conversation that's usually indicated by like an M dash at the end of the line that works great on stage. Cause it's kind of overlapping. It doesn't really work as well on the page. I think it's better just to kind of cut it and go to the next, you're whatever like, the next you're thing like, you say. The audience will figure it out. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Wait, maybe they won't. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, partly I moved to prose out of, um, you referenced a play called a uh, summer session, with the Bones Brigade, and it was a play that I wrote that featured on the stage a halfpipe with actual characters skateboarding on the halfpipe, mm -hmm. right? I just wrote it. I just thought, just get it out there. Let's, let's see what happens. Um, realistically, it's going to be very difficult to produce a play with a halfpipe and skateboarders right. live skating on it. I really, uh, really cared for those particular characters and it struck me that one way to potentially give them a life beyond the page uh, that might not never be produced is to try it in a different genre so this is a story that might be better suited for prose uh, and kind of honor those characters in that way uh, rather than um, in a play where the likelihood of it being produced and them kind of living on and getting out there is uh it's much less likely. Yeah, yeah, but but it's it's great that you're able to kind of um, adapt your own work. Yeah, in a way, or, yeah. or, or the ideas at least, and find and try and try to find the best possible vehicle for yeah. them to live. That's been a challenge too, because the play, for example, is nine scenes. It's not like the novel is in nine chapters, with each chapter being a scene from the play. That mm -hmm. once you start digging into it, uh, the kind of um, uh, psychological nature, the backstories of the characters, you kind of start investigating those more in prose. I think they always informed the characters in the play version, uh, but they um, were much more essential in the in the novel, the novelization of it. Gotcha. Well, I think it's fascinating how, like I said, how, how the styles inform your writing, and um, I personally would love to see a skateboarding show, uh, <laughs> play. And it kind of reminds me of Suburbia a little bit, the old Eric Ecclesiastes yeah. play a little bit. Yeah. Um, Having not read the play, uh, your play, um, but no, th uh, those are the characters. That, that, exactly, that, those those types of kids growing yeah. up in the Midwest in yeah. this particular version. But of I it. think yeah. it'd be great, like just as a as you know, 
producer brain, um, kind of thinking it's like you, you would you start? I would mean, you start with kids who skateboard? You yeah, know? and just saying, I think you did. And just see what you do. Yeah, and uh, and you know maybe it's a site specific production. I mean, how cool would that be? Actually, right? I did, a company in L.A. is reading it, and they do site specific stuff. I thought. California skateboarding that might yeah. be a good match totally as well yeah yeah that seems to make some warm sense weather too. places that can support that. yeah well I'm all about it let me know <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't see it um so when you're writing um and you have plays and you have novels and you have different um ideas maybe screenplays even because uh, mm-hmm. you do film um do you have a few projects in different genres and styles simmering at the same time? Or do you kind of just say, okay, everything has its own, like, do you compartmentalize and do yeah. separate, separate things? Yeah. Quick sports analogy. Uh, if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterback. Yeah. Uh, I feel like if I have three projects going, I have, I have no projects going. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult dipping into multiple projects at once. Uh, there does seem to be every once in a while a case in which I have three in front of me and I'm kind of however far along in each of them and like which is the one that's going to kind of leap out in in front of the others. It's the case right now. I've got a couple different, to use your term, a couple different things simmering and I think that's part of why I haven't been able to commit to like one of the three and they're all very different. One's kind of a romantic comedy um, one is adaptation of a of um, I'm trying another version of summer session with a little different structure to it, um, and it's very difficult to step into multiple worlds that I really need to commit to the one and just kind of ride it out. Um, similar with with reading, I'm not the person who reads multiple books at one time. I kind of commit to it, and get to the end before I start something new. Right. Well, I, I just love hearing your answer that's really wonderful to sharing that because uh i think it's very helpful to hear about processes and, and yeah. uh because i can I know there's a lot of people who i get emails and phone calls and saying so i have this thing but i also have this thing i go yeah no just what do you want to do right and what do you want to do and you can do them all right it's just yeah, yeah but there's only so much bandwidth yeah right to and commit s- and sometimes it's, what was i what was i working on before because i need to I need something different than what I was working on before. So if this has a comedic flair and the one I was working on before is a little more dramatic, uh, but I'm working on uh, potentially two projects, one that kind of continues that dramatic vein, one that might allow me to exercise another part of my brain, uh, that, that's also a factor in what I work on next. Well, speaking of working on things next, um, you know, as I mentioned, you're the artist director of Up Theater Company. Yes. And uh, in the dramatic vein, you have taken over uh, the reins from uh, the founder, James Bosley, uh, who did a great job establishing and guiding the mission of uh, producing new work. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious uh, to hear from you uh, what similar and different paths do you plan as the artistic director at the helm and which directions you're guiding the company? Yeah, great question, Aaron. Um, whenever I mention James's name at uh, Up Functions now, I always uh, add the caveat that without whom none of us would be here today. That's exactly that, right. Yeah, Founder's James, founder. Yeah. Um, I had a conversation with James about becoming artist director in January of 2020 and came became artistic director in the spring. Uh, as you can imagine, that was a... Um, 
interesting time to <laughs> assume the helm of of a theater company uh, whenever you essentially couldn't do live yes. theater. Congratulations. Yes. You could do nothing. <laughs> Good job. Oh Good my first gosh. season, Kirby. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm in my second year. We haven't done a full production yet. I, I'm like, what? It, like, this doesn't. This doesn't. Hey, feel man, right. you get the best job security anybody I know. <laughs> what has he done? Nothing. He's been on the job for two years. <laughs> yeah. So part of part of the decisions we made as a company have been less guided by um, my aesthetic and more about the necessity of how do you produce new work under these circumstances. Yeah. Um, so, uh, as you may know, we've, we've been producing some radio plays, right? That was a way to safely produce new material without having to have, without having to have an audience, um, an in-person audience, I should say. Uh, was that my aesthetic coming in? No, I don't think so. But that, now that we've been doing them, I'm excited about them. I think they're going to become a permanent part of our programming moving oh, forward. Um, becoming artistic director, my first thought was just the amount of love and respect that I had for a theater company as a playwright who would work with them, but also just as a, as a, as an audience member, as a member of this community and all that they have done for it. I, my first thought honestly was just don't, don't mess this up. <laughs> uh, we're going to do a barn play in spring of 2022, a full production of it. And even that was a show that James chose. Um, and that, uh, had to be, um, canceled in spring of 2020 for obvious yeah. reasons. I love the play. I'm so excited to be doing it in 2022. Um, but I have yet to uh, kind of select and back the, 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 the work that we're going to do full production of. Um, I think in some ways our aesthetic, James's and my aesthetic, were similar in terms of um, provocative plays, new work, kind of a sharp ear for dialogue, um, uh, work that doesn't shy away from being kind of issue-oriented. Um, so I think in a lot of ways, we're aligned in that regard. I think James also um, approached me about it because that there's a certain amount of like continuing on with the tradition of up theater, but also bringing to it something new as well. Um, as you know, the challenge up here to... Um, for space is is real so one thing i'm uh, thinking about pursuing in future seasons is like more site specific stuff so let's do a series of plays set in a bookstore let's do a series of plays set in a pharmacy let's do a series of plays set in a, a bar would be kind of an obvious mm -hmm. uh, example so that's something i'm hoping to to look to do uh, moving forward with the company very cool um and do we have dates for a barn play yet we have uh, and, and a space we are I can't, not ready to announce specific dates okay. or a space yet. We're in conversations uh, with the space in the neighborhood. Okay, great. And the dates would have it wrapping up. This probably gives away the space, but wrapping up before the Easter holiday. So mm -hmm. around, around, that okay. around that window. Yeah. Great. Yes. Well, it's great to hear because it, it's, um, for those of you who have been listening all these many episodes, um, space is... We are, we are space challenged the neighborhood, <laughs> yeah. and as Kirby mentioned too, and it's that we're um, there's no performing arts space in, within a hundred blocks, really, if yeah. you actually think about it. Yeah. Um, so uh, a community arts center, nothing that like really exists up here, and it makes you wonder if it if it would uh, in, in other ways. I mean, I, I I go back and forth because obviously that's our agenda. We want to have a space to, to, to replace making for the arts. Yeah. And, 
Um, and I think it can thrive, but you always wonder like, what well, it hasn't been here as long as I've lived here. So is there a reason for that? Yeah. You know, uh, but yet when you do a production like Hey Kama Joseph yeah. in a school auditorium, um, that people come out to check out and they love it, you, it, it argues for it. So yeah. I think that, you know, there's, there's definitely, a, a, you know, we have a crazy embarrassment of artists in our neighborhood, as I always say. And, um, I think there would be a great place to, to be able to serve these artists and their needs yeah. if we can do that. So I think the ch- sorry, I think the challenges of space do sometimes lead to innovation. So that mm-hmm. example of K. Kama Joseph that Josh brilliantly came up with in terms of let's use the stage, but let's pull the curtain and play it like kind of long ways. Yeah, really serve that play well. Yeah, and I know that we walk into spaces and kind of survey it and go, okay, how can we make this work? Yeah, that that does that that. Um, those are creative choices as mm-hmm. well that sometimes work to great benefit. But the broader point is well taken. Just just the hustle to find space alone is is exhausting up here. Yeah, really is. Um, so beyond the barn play, like and radio plays, yeah. what's what's the idea? Do you think a main stage a year and a, and and a, and, a, and a radio play and a yeah. reading series? Like is that become the up formula moving yeah. forward? Main stage show year, that that feels right. Um, I would, so as anyone who has heard a curtain speech of mine in the last four months knows, um, we in 2020 put out a call for new scripts of plays that had been either canceled or indefinitely postponed as a result of COVID-19. And we've been featuring eight of the 160 that we received in uh, two reading series called the Renewal Reading Series. Um, you're familiar probably with the Dead of Winter reading series, which we traditionally do in January. Mm -hmm. Adding another reading series on in fall, which we just completed it in October, has uh, made me realize that we could maybe be taking more advantage of of that fall window in terms of doing something. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know that it necessarily would need to be a a reading series. Um, I like, for the barn play that I think you saw at Dykeman House, we did like a Friday, Saturday run, right? It was a reading. It was two mm-hmm. nights that we could set up shop at a bookstore and do, let's do a Friday night, Saturday, yeah. Sunday matinee. And that could be like a fall slot. Um, we also want to take advantage of the uh, number of extraordinary other artists that we work with on a regular basis who are also working on independent projects of their own. And one idea is to use that fall window to kind of open it up to the rest of the up community and say, hey, what are you working on? We have a space for you. Let's let's put it up. Nice. Whether that's a play, whether that's a musical, whether that's um, a, a monologue, a one-person show that they're working on. So uh, I'd like to do something in the fall, a reading series in the winter, and then a full production kind of in the spring. That seems to be the... In addition to the radio plays that we also... Uh, we done... I think we're going to be doing... Oh, I don't want to get the wrong number. Eight, eight maybe, this in this calendar year, which was quite a few. Wow. Well, that sounds like a good formula to me for success. Yeah. Um, so last but not least, I want to talk to you about your film, Not So Hilarious Anymore. <laughs> oh, he needs laughs. How about that? <laughs> um, which we look forward to presenting at our next <sighs> film festival. Uh, so was this your first film? Yeah. And where did the idea come for it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I've seen it, and of course. you will see it, folks. Yeah. Uh, but I want to hear what Kirby... 
came up with this crazy idea. Aaron, we had so many things that were happening at that time of the year. I, I remember that that the cancellation of that film festival. It had to be done, but it was one yeah. of the it was one of the canaries in the coal mine. You were like, oh wow, this this, <laughs> this Aaron, is real. Film festival got canceled. Here comes the flood. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, seriously, that well, you know you're not the first person oh. to say that to me. I get that fairly often. Um, people kind of look at when I talk about the film festival, which will return. I, I, everyone, don't worry. Um, it's just never been the right time. And and in spite of all the digital programming we've been prolific in doing, yeah. I've held that back on purpose. Um, it's 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 the film festival is much more than just sitting at home with your Doritos bags and, yeah. and watching something. It's a it's a it's a definite community event. I, so um, and so we're going to be back when it's right to be back, and I hope I hope so this spring. But you know the world is still crazy in many yeah. ways, and we're going to be we're gonna, we're going to do it right when we do it. Back. I trust that you're going to do it the right way, and when the time is right, and that when you do, it's it's going to feel like this this is the time and this is the moment, and it's going to be great. Um, not so hilarious anymore. I we talked about theater, we talked about novels. I I don't write screenplays I, I screenplays are visual um if if there's six lines of dialogue in a scene that's that's a lot i'm exaggerating a little bit but they're very visual mediums i do not think visually i think in terms of people talking um talk about cutting words out yeah i know i can't i can't do it right i know particularly with victor verhage yeah <laughs> i love you victor i'm just saying that not so hilarious anymore um not to give it away too much, but it, it it's predicated on a wife happening upon her husband on his computer in the middle of the night, and he's guiltily watching something, and it is revealed very early on that what he is guiltily watching is the stand-up of Louis C.K., uh, who, when I had written it, had been kind of much more recently disgraced than, than he is yeah, at the moment, right. but it came out of that. Uh, I personally uh, had a lot of respect for Louis C.K. as a comedian and as an artist, and I was wrestling with my own feelings about uh, that whole situation. Mm -hmm. Of course, there were a lot of other people that were kind of wrapped up um, in, in that in that moment as well, but I kind of fixated on Louis C.K. a little bit and was just kind of thinking, just dealing, trying to wrestle with my own feelings about it. And as I often do, that the way to best do that was to, to get it out on the page and do so just by writing about it. I, I, I wrote it. I, it's basically a 10-minute play that we just filmed. I wrote it uh, very quickly one night. I finished it. I sent the first draft to my friend Adam, who is a director, and say, hey, this could be a cool little short play. He wrote back, let's do it. I immediately wrote to Victor and Kelly, said, hey, do you want to do this? They said, let's do it. Um, we got a hold of an editor. That that play, screenplay, whatever you want to call it, went from being written to being fully complete within a 30-day window. That's amazing. It was amazing. <laughs> that's a testament to the people well, involved right. in it. It was well as a way. Yeah, it was just a moment that... Um, I, like I look back on it now, like, do I want to do another short film? No, not really. But that one somehow just seemed to to work. We shot it over the course of one day. Um, great editor, as I'm sure you know, it's it's, it's important. It, so much of it is in the editing, um, and it was a great experience. That um, it, I, like I look back on it, and, and 
I, I just thought, where did that, where did that come from? But just, it just, we just did it. You well, know, that's it, like it's the strength of collaboration yeah, too. It's it really like is. you had the right people at the right time working on something everyone was willing to put in the time for at that time. Yeah. Everybody said, yes, Yeah, let's do it. Um, and it was great. It was a great experience seeing your work in a theater, a film theater is a very different experience yeah. as well than seeing it on the stage. So that whole uh, aspect of it was interesting. One thing I couldn't have predicted when I started writing it was it ended up at a film festival in Kansas City. And uh, I have my family's in Missouri. So my mom was able to drive up from Joplin, Missouri oh, so wow. to sit next to my mom and watch a yeah. movie, albeit a 10 minute one up on a screen was was uh, was a special moment as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I think it's fantastic. And um, I think, you know, you should write more if you if you so choose to write more screenplays. But to your point too, it has to be the right time, and obviously, whatever triggers that will be you know the moment to write yeah. that. Yeah. Um, well, Kirby, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you, Aaron. I think we covered all the bases on the diamond, <laughs> so to speak, of your of your illustrious career. Um, before we say goodbye, where can people go to find out more about you and your work? Good question. Uh, Up Theater Company uh, is, I should have been better prepared for this, Aaron. I'm sorry. We have a, we have a website that you can Marketing go to. Marketing communications person did not prep you for this interview. <laughs> Up Theater with an E-R, we like to remind folks. Uh, you can search it and find it uh, The online. unpretentious way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, we have the various social medias, Facebook and Twitter as, as well. Uh, personally, um, Find me on Facebook, reach out through there, and I'm happy to be in touch. He's accessible, folks. Just talk to him, all right? <laughs> well, Kirby, again, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Um, and listeners, you'll be able to find those links in the description of this episode. Okay? So thanks, Kirby, for joining me on this Artist Spotlight edition of In What Artworks On Air. It's where we meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes that make their home here in northern Manhattan. If you have a moment, please show us some love right now by rating and reviewing this podcast on Apple Podcasts. That really does help. Uh, many thanks to the Church of Good Shepherd for hosting us here in Inwood, New York City, and to HeightSites.com for uptown promotional support. Be sure to follow us on social media at Inwood Artworks to keep up all that we do, which includes the Inwood Film Festival, Film Excel Fresco, and all sorts of things. Um, you can support us at on air and everything we do by making a tax-free donation at inwoodartworks.nyc. This program is supported in part by public funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with City Council. From the top of Manhattan and the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for tuning in. This is Aaron Sims for Inwood Artworks On Air. <laughs>